one word today. Very important word. This word is good for society. It's good for the nations. And it's good for the soul. What is that word? Forgiveness. Did you ever wonder why forgiveness? We're going to talk about that today. And why forgiveness is such an important part of the fabric of our society and of our lives. Now, Jesus said many important things. Sometimes he told a story to get his point across. Um, he told parables, stories using natural illustrations, but they had a, a spiritual meaning. And uh, we're familiar with many of them. He told a parable teaching the subject of compassion. And we think of the story of the Good Samaritan. When he told the parable of the talents, he had in mind hard work. Uh, the parable of the sower, the sower went out to sow. And that has to do with hearing. Are you a good listener? What kind of a listener are you? Or are you easily distracted? He taught many shorter parables about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's like treasure hidden in the field. It's like leaven in dough. Today, we're going to take a look at one of those parables. And when we get there, you might recognize that maybe this is for everybody. Some of you might be there right now. You've certainly been there in the past and will definitely be there in the future. We're going to that place called forgiveness. And this topic is so important that Jesus told a story about it and how we need to take it, oh, here it comes, very seriously. Forgiveness is a game changer. You know that? It's a life shaper. It really is. So let's see where we're going. Jesus said this is what his home life is like, <laughs> where he lives. You know where he lives? In the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 18, 23, Jesus said, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven. Here's how we do it in heaven, okay? And here's how I want you to do it on the earth. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Now, it's always good to ask, why did Jesus tell a particular story? Why did he tell this parable? He told this parable to answer Peter's question. Peter had just asked the question, How often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? So Jesus tells the story for that reason. You see, the ancient Jews, they taught, He who begs forgiveness from his neighbor must not do so more than three times. So Peter said, Oh, I'll forgive my brother seven times. So that was double plus one. Peter's like, on I something, right? And you know, Jesus' his response, 
Peter, take that seven and multiply it by 70. <laughs> so here's the story, the parable in verse 24. That king came back to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle them, one who owed him, what? 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now let's say one talent equals 100 pounds of silver. 10,000 talents would be, wow, a million pounds, something like that, a million pounds of silver. One talent equals 6,000 denarii. A denarii is a day's pay. So that'd be 6,000 days pay. Wow. Now, Jesus is purposely using hyperbole and exaggerated debt. He's doing this on purpose, okay? So he said, but since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had until repayment could be made. So, you know, this was like a lifelong punishment. Well, you know what happened? The slave, he fell to the ground and he prostrated himself before his king. And he said, oh, have patience with me. I will repay you everything. Now, this was likely an unreasonable statement. He wasn't going to be able to pay him all that. It's impossible. So let's put this in the category of things that are the most difficult to forgive. Okay? Some things are easy to forgive. Some things, they're really tough. And you know that. They're really hard. We could call them things that challenge our faith. You know, our faith is always being challenged. It's challenged when life seems to be working against us, but we have to operate in the character of God. That's the faith challenge. Because the flesh wants to go in one direction, and the Spirit, He wants to lead us, yeah, in a totally different direction. So our faith is challenged. So perhaps the Lord of that slave realized This guy can't pay me back. And his compassion outweighed the debt. I like that. His compassion outweighed. The debt was great. But his compassion was greater. You know what that tells me? That someone can owe you a great debt, but you can have more compassion than the debt. It's possible. So what happened? The Lord of that slave, he felt compassion, and he released him, and he forgave him the debt. Wow. See, forgiveness is powerful. It can really make a difference in a person's life. It can make a difference in the way they view other circumstances of their life as well. But then we have an uh uh-oh, verse 28. Now, here's the slave that was forgiven. A million pounds of silver, right? 6,000 days labor, right? But that slave, the word but shows us he didn't get the message. He didn't get the message about his forgiveness. He missed the whole point of what was done for him. So this guy, he went out and he found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii is a day's wage. 
So he owed him a hundred days wage. Let's say a denarii. Say they made a penny a day, right? He owed him a dollar. That was it. A hundred days compared to 6,000 days. So what did the slave do? Oh, he seized them. <laughs> he began to choke him. What? I'm like, are you kidding me? He's choking this guy. I'm like, how do you get money from somebody when you're choking him to death? He's choking him. And he said, pay what you owe <laughs> Pay what you owe me. Again, it's a story. Jesus is telling a hyperbolic uh, parable. Pay what you owe me. Here's a petty debt in comparison to a great debt, wouldn't you say? So now here's the same scene. He asked for time to repay. He said, give me time. I can repay. His fellow slave, he fell to the ground. And he began to plead with him. He said, oh, have patience with me. I'll repay you. Now, this request was more realistic, wouldn't you say, than the first one? The first one's like, that guy can't repay that debt, but this one's possible. Oh, yeah, 100 denarii, he can pay that. But you know what happened in verse 30? He was unwilling. He was unwilling to forgive the debt. And he went and he threw him into prison until he should pay back what he owed. I don't know if you can make money in prison. I don't think so. I don't think they get a paycheck in prison. So I guess he's there for life. So, huh, the guy who was forgiven the big debt refused to forgive the guy who owed him the little debt. I'll tell you something. How we treat people gets around. You know that? So in verse 31, when the fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved. They knew something was wrong. They're like, man, this guy was forgiven a great debt, and he won't forgive our fellow slave a little debt. What's wrong with him? So you know what they did? They ratted him out. They came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And then, summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all of that big debt because you pleaded with me. And his Lord had expectations of him. He had expectations that, hey, if he was forgiven a great debt, couldn't he forgive someone of a lesser debt? See, being forgiven brings two things. Number one, expectation from God. That when God has forgiven you and me, there's an expectation on his part that we would be forgiving of others. And that's the second thing here. We have a, here it comes, a duty to forgive. We have a duty. We have a responsibility to forgive when we have been forgiven. So, in verse 33, he said to the slave, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And now, the Lord, he's getting hot. He's getting irritated. And his Lord moved with anger. He handed him over to the torturers. Wow. Until he should repay. 
all that was owed him. I, 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 I don't know if you're getting a salary when you're being tortured either. <laughs> you get paid for being tortured. I don't think this guy was ever going to get any, any way to pay back that debt. So we're listening to this story that Jesus told. And we can draw three lessons from the parallel. And again, when we bring the word of God this way, you know what the purpose is? That we would learn to abide in it for our own lives. That God's word is our guide. It's our inspiration. It's the rule of life. And that's how we should see scripture as a rule for life. God is saying, listen, this is how you do it. This is how you live. So three lessons from this parable. Number one, a person must forgive in order to be forgiven. Think about that. A person must forgive in order to be forgiven. William Barclay said, A man who will not forgive his fellow man cannot hope that God will forgive him. Now, Jesus said something like that. He said in Matthew 5, 7, remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Okay, Paul said something like that when he said, you reap what you sow. Solomon said something like that when he said, cast your bread upon the water and after many days it'll return back to you. See, we get what we give. You know, you, you give good, you get good. You give bad, you get bad. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, listen, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Think about that. The Apostle James wrote, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Same thing. If you don't show mercy, don't expect mercy. It's like that with so many aspects of life. If you don't be a friend... Don't expect to have friends, okay? If you don't give help, don't expect to get help. If you don't show love, don't expect to be loved. We get what we give. That's like a reality of life, okay? We get what we give. So that's the first lesson. He that gives mercy gets mercy. Number two, the second lesson we learn the contrast between the two debts. One man's debt could be carried in his pocket. The other man's debt would take about 250 Ford F-150 pickup trucks holding two, ten, two tons each. A million pounds of silver. The other guy, a hundred denarii. That's it. So you see the difference in the debts if you're forgiven a great debt, it's easy to forgive a smaller debt, right? And then the third lesson we learn, everyone is in need of forgiveness. Everyone. We've all sinned against God, right? We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So because we've all sinned against God, we all owe a great debt of gratitude to him for the forgiveness that he gave us through his son. Hey, if you're a Christian today, you know what? You are forgiven by God for everything you've done. 
And some of you, you weren't too bad, but some of you, you were really bad, right? You did some bad things. And God forgave every single one, everything. He even forgave you of the things you haven't done yet. They're all forgiven through his son. So think about it. If God has forgiven me of everything, I mean, is it that hard for me to forgive somebody of one thing? Yes, I know. It might be a difficult thing. It might be a six million pound debt. But knowing that we've been forgiven by God, this should inspire us to forgive others who have sinned against us. And let me remind you what it said in verse 34. His Lord moved with anger. See, the first time with the first guy, he was moved with compassion. Oh, but now he's moved with anger. And he handed him over to the torturous until he should repay everything that was owed. Who's the torturer? The tormentor, right? This guy was going to be delivered over and be tortured every day. How was he going to be tortured? I don't know. Maybe they were going to beat him up, whip him, throw rocks at him. I don't know. But they're going to torture him. Now, let me ask you, have you ever been tormented or are you being tormented now by the mention of someone's name? Did you ever have the experience where someone hurt you and when their name comes up, you get angry? Oh, don't bring, don't mention that name around here. Or you, someone, hey, are you coming to my house for the party? Is so-and-so going to be there? If so-and-so is going to be there, I'm not coming. Where is that? That is in the dungeon of torture. See, in the past, they hurt you in some way, but you still feel the wounds. And And you've been delivered over to the tormentors because you haven't forgiven. This is why Jesus said, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Oh, that's why forgiveness is so important. It's a life changer. It changes the life of the one being forgiven, but it also changes the life of the one giving the forgiveness. Because where we don't forgive, we put ourselves in bondage. We're in prison. I I would say, don't add more pain to your wounds with unforgiveness, because that just puts salt in the wound. Better to forgive. Forgiveness will get you out of the prison, right? So, okay, the Lord, he's going to throw that guy in prison, right, to the tormentors. But if he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I forgive him the debt. I'm going to go back and I'm going to forget the hundred denarii. I'm going to forgive it. Then you know what? The Lord would say, okay, you're out of prison. You don't have to go. You're free. You're not going to be tortured. And when we forgive someone, we're free from the prison of our own mind. But if not, you're being tortured by your own self, by your own thoughts. That's why forgiveness is freeing. The practice of giving forgiveness is certainly a path to spiritual growth. 
And isn't that what the Christian life is about? Don't we like, as Christ followers, want to become Christ-like? This is why we go to church, right? To learn to be Christ-like. We don't go to church to fill up a notebook. We don't go to church so we can win debates and arguments. We don't go to church to be self-righteous. We go to church to learn to be Christ-like. And part of that is what Paul the Apostle said, deny myself. I die, day, I die daily. I pick up my cross. I crucify my flesh. Because the flesh doesn't want to forgive. Oh, no. The flesh wants to get even. The flesh wants to torment. Problem is, your own flesh will torment you. And my own flesh will torment me if I don't forgive. So that's why forgiveness is a game changer. If the world understood forgiveness, you know what? There'd be no wars. Be over. If the world understood forgiveness, societies would flourish. But the world doesn't understand forgiveness. So we're divided. We're separated. We're stacked up against each other. All it is is lack of forgiveness. And lack of forgiveness, it can cause people to do things. Oh, yeah, regretful things. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. No, the greater the debt, the more difficult to forgive, unless you have greater compassion than the debt. Maybe that's something you never thought about. Hey, this person owes me a great debt. They really hurt me, but my compassion is greater. And how is my compassion greater? Because I have God's compassion. That's how. God forgave me of everything. And in gratitude, I forgive others. See, that's what Jesus wanted Peter to understand. The Lord forgave that slave of everything he owed. Everything. It was an unlimited forgiveness. Not even 70 times 7, Peter. Not even 7. Unlimited forgiveness. So therefore, when you as a follower of Christ understand what you've been forgiven of, God has an expectation. And that expectation is we strive to forgive others the best we can. And have God's heart, God's love, God's compassion. And the more we become Christ-like, like like Christ, right? The more apt we are to forgive. You can't do it in the flesh. Flesh doesn't want to forgive. The flesh is like, I hate forgiveness. I don't want to forgive. You know, forgiveness is a funny thing, right? We love to receive it, but we hate to give it. But it's freeing both ways. It's freeing when you get it, but it's also freeing when you give it. Like it says in Hebrews, if not, a root of bitterness springs up in your heart. And by it, oh, many people are defiled. So unforgiveness just doesn't put you in prison. It bothers everybody else too. It rains on everybody else's parade. It spoils things for other people in your life. So why forgiveness? It preserves them. It preserves you. It gives glory to God. It's freeing. 
There are so many, there are more benefits to forgiveness than there are to unforgiveness. Because you've been forgiven, you're going to heaven. Yeah. Well, come on. You're going to heaven when it's all said and done. This life matters not. You'll be in the presence of God. So think about this life. It's temporal. It's but a flower that fades. So do you think you can, and I'm speaking to myself as well, take it upon ourselves to be as forgiving as possible and try to forgive every debt that is owed to us. Just live, be that person that is free, where you you make up your mind ahead of time. I'm going to purpose at being a forgiving person. Before I even need to forgive, I'm going to purpose in my heart like Daniel did. Daniel purposed in his heart, right? He will not defile himself with the king's meat. Even before he got to Babylon, he made up his mind. So it's like, I'm going to purpose in my heart that I will be a forgiving person. Because I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to put them in jail. I want God to be glorified. That's the key. So let's really see forgiveness for what it is. It's God's antidote for bitterness and prison life of the mind. It's God's antidote. And the more we grow in the word and the more we, we become like Christ, the more we're able to forgive. That's the key, to become Christ-like. And that affects every aspect of our life, not only with forgiveness, but generosity, with servanthood, with love, with whatever the need requires. Through Christ-likeness, we are able to accomplish that. See, I think that's the real goal there, just to become like Christ. People shut down sometimes when they hear about forgiveness, but that's because they're thinking natural thoughts, thinking in the flesh. Jesus is on the cross, right? And what does he say? Forgive them. Ah, the crucifiers. He said to forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. To be in that condition and offer forgiveness, it can be done. Jesus was not in the prison of the mind. Jesus was free. Free to forgive. I don't know, I like this message. It's a hard one. It's difficult, tough. But I like it because it's helpful. And that's why we want to get the Hope Club podcast far and wide. Join the Hope Club. Go to newhoperadio.live, click the menu bar. Let's promote the Hope Club podcast and get people listening so they can find the benefits of growing in the Word of God.